Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. This is Michael Rappaport. You are now rocking with the best. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. On today's episode, we are talking so much shit about so many different things. Donald Trump said he would have ran up in the building and done something with that incident that took place in Florida. G Monetti's Cleveland Cavaliers are falling apart at the seams. Yo, we did an impromptu barstool gangbang part two with a live reading. A dramatic live reading of KFC's wife's Instagram post. We're giving a voice to the voiceless, and we drag each and every one of them one by one. One by one. We're giving a voice to the voiceless. Shout out to KFC's wife. Plus, we got special guests (laughs) from the San Antonio Spurs from New Jersey. The point guard. Of the San Antonio Spurs, Kyle Anderson on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, talking about what it's like to play for Craig Popovich, playing ball in Jersey, and so much more. I Am mm. Rapport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rapport. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. This is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Miles Jordan, give me something funky. Give me that wonton. Give me that wonton. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. We're back. You thought we were done? Oh, no, 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 no. We're not done. We're not done. We're not done. 
My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the champ, a.k.a. the gringo man dingo. I'm here with G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, the three-time podcast co-host of the year, and you are now rocking with the best. Um, We're the champions. We're the best. Statistically, uh, we're the people's champs. Uh, what can I say? G. Moody, how you feeling? Oh, I feel good, man. I'm, I'm fresh and clean and uh, ready to roll. And, and let's put our New York stamp on this shit and just shut this whole shit down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to back up for a second. When you say uh, you're fresh and clean... Yeah, uh, I, I, had a, I had a little water issue here mm-hmm. at the crib. I had to cut my water off, and uh, it's back on, so I wasn't fresh and clean uh, earlier, but today and now I'm fresh and clean. Oh, like, oh, you couldn't shower, Duke? Yeah, I couldn't shower, but I had to get up in there and do what I had to do. Did you, did you fix it yourself? Yeah, of course, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, all right, well, listen. These things happen. You're a uh, landlord. Uh, this That's is right. the, the gloom tomb, the the ever evolving Bronx gloom tomb. Uh, <laughs> listen, owning these buildings in in New York City, it's no joke, huh? It's not easy, man. It's not easy. We have sanitation police. Just to let everybody know, we have sanitation police that come and pick up the black bags, and if they hear the clanging of a bottle, they start writing tickets. So you have to be diligent on your job. If there's a bottle in the non-recycling and they pick up the bag and drop it on the ground, and if they hear a bottle, they, pick, they start writing a $100 ticket. Damn. So you have to fish it out sometimes with your gloved hands. It's a motherfucker, man. Damn. Damn. But it hasn't been that much snow in New York City, so you haven't had to do the salt and all that, right? Nah, nah. It's, it's been all right. So uh, today's I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, as I mentioned earlier. We got our guy from Jersey, straight out of Jersey, Kyle Anderson of the San Antonio Spurs, mm. uh, who just dismantled Gerald Moody's favorite team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they dismantled the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we got Kyle Anderson on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. He had a big uh, part in that game. LeBron James was totally out of character, throwing the ball against the post, not once, mm-hmm. But two times, um, and, and it's looking like a reality is setting in for that team, just like I said uh-uh. before the break. He, you you were like, oh, they're great. Everybody's, of course they're great when they first get down there. They're excited. Yeah. It's new energy. Everybody's, you know, in a new place. The rest of the league is fucking ready for a break. LeBron James doesn't take any breaks. They stole a couple of games. Now they get a little tape on these guys. They realize all they do is shoot threes. If they can't shoot threes, they're nothing. They can't play any defense, just like which is a trademark of all Tyron Lue's teams, by the way. <laughs> and, Tyron and, Lue's not a coach. He's not a fucking coach. What is your take on Tyron Lue? <laughs> hey, he got, he got selected. He got selected by LeBron to kind of transition his way. He's not really a coach. He just His man put him on. That's it. Yeah, his man put him on, and uh, that Cleveland Cavalier team that you were so hyped on just a few weeks ago before the All-Star break, uh, they're, they're going to be spending the rest of the season figuring it out. Now, of course, <laughs> nah. they're going to make a push towards the end, but like I said, you can't just put 
a hodgepodge of guys together midway through the season, even if you're with the best player in the whole world, that being LeBron James, it doesn't work like that. These guys watch tape. They figure out what they do, what they can't do. The San Antonio Spurs bust their ass the other day. They, I think they've lost three out of four games since the break. We have Kyle Anderson on the I Am Rapport Stereo <laughs> Podcast. Okay? All right. He's frustrated. He'll be all right. As usual, he'll be in the finals, and you never know what happened. A couple of years ago, they were down 3-1, and what happened? You had an egg on your fucking face. Yeah, that's the year that he, uh, uh, Draymond Green uh, kicked him in the shorts and he got him suspended. Shame hey. on you. Shame on that suspension. Gamesmanship is, is what that's called. Um, the other night, Golden State beat the brakes off of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, although Oklahoma has beat them two times this season, Golden State only beat them once. So it's just one game. Um, but there's been a, a, a lot of talk over this play where Jaja Pachulia, um, you couldn't tell if he fell or sort of got tangled up, but he fell very dangerously, very, very dangerously uh, on Russell Westbrook's, you know, right on the point of the leg, not on the hips, not to just make it hurt. He fell right on the point of the leg between the thigh and the lower, uh, whatever, the femur and the, and the tibula. Yeah. And you could break somebody's leg like that. Yeah, guy's seven foot. Uh, 270, 80 pounds, and he's known, he has a reputation for being a dirty player, you know, stepping on other people's uh, feet when they're jumping, trying to make them sprain their ankle. Yo, this dude, like, like, like Stack said, like Steven Jackson said today, yo, he has to do that to stay in the league because he ain't got no talent. It's not like he's busting motherfuckers' ass. He got to do that, that dirty shit. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. I love physical basketball. I even love dirty basketball, but but not to a point where you could hurt somebody, not to the point where you're stepping on ankles. If you could punch somebody where you're going up for a layup or, you know, elbow somebody in the stomach when some when the referee isn't looking, things like that, I'm all for. But I'm not yeah. for stepping on people's feet, falling on people's legs. If you could get away with a little a little shoulder to the jaw, fantastic. You know, a little forearm shiver when someone's cutting through the lane, fantastic. But I don't support anybody putting any other player in harm's way to mess up their career. It continues to happen with Jaja. Um, obviously, I love Golden State, but that Kawhi Leonard play last year was questionable. He knocked him out of the playoffs. And now this, I mean, he could have broken homeboy's leg. He could have broken yeah. Russell Westbrook's leg. Yeah, I call him the big Neanderthal. He, looks, he got a fucking big-ass dome. With his fucking uh, forehead. <laughs> Yo, money looks crazy. Yeah, he looks fucking nuts. He looks fucking nuts, man. He looks straight gorilla out. <laughs> Who do you think looks more gorilla out? Him or that other Neanderthal, Steven Adams on Oklahoma City? Oh, man. They're both fucked up. Yeah, they both look like shit. <laughs> um, this is something that really reminded me about a previous episode of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We had uh, our guy, Royce White, former number one uh, draft pick of uh, the NBA. And, you know, you could listen to his his interview. Um, it was a really informative, really, you know, he sort of got pushed out of the NBA. And this was, I don't know how many years ago, six, seven years ago. But he was very adamant about talking about his mental health situation and, you know, how he suffered from depression, he suffered from anxiety. And two times since the All-Star break this year, while uh, Royce White is up in Canada playing uh, Pro Bowl in Canada, 
Two times the NBA has spoken out about uh, mental health and, and, and sort of addressing the issue. Finally, at the All-Star break, the woman, I believe it's a woman, from the Players Association said, this is something we're going to start focusing on. And then today, Toronto Raptors, all everything star, DeMar DeRozan spoke out in an interview talking about how he suffers from depression and anxiety. And he's starting to come to terms with it and how he was embarrassed about it and how, you know, he, he's going to start in, you know, dealing with it openly. And it's kind of fucked up because this dude, Royce White, who, like I said, it's a really interesting interview with him on the, on the Iron Rap Stereo podcast. He was pushed out of the NBA because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Pl- they didn't, they didn't embrace it. They didn't uh, embrace it. He got blackballed because of, they thought he was a fucking loony bin. So it's terrible, man. Yeah, it's messed up, and it takes a star, an established star. See, Royce White wasn't an established star, but DeMar DeRozan, he's in the league. Uh, he's friends with all the other stars in the league, and, and the league has obviously progressed, and now they want to start looking at it and addressing it. Uh, you know, uh, DeRozan said, you know, this is real. We're all human at the end of the day. And, you know, he just was, you know, I'm going to treat everybody the same way. He just was very open about it. You know, he equivalent yeah. to, you know, like it's the same kind of thing if somebody's suffering from drug addiction. So I want to salute uh, DeMar DeRozan and also Word. give a shout out to my man Royce White uh, to hang in there because I still believe there's hope that he could get back in the NBA or at least have a chance to let his play uh, speak for itself because he never got that chance. And it was just because he just, he was adamant about, uh, about having a say in this. They always say the league and its players. So the league should always provide some type of help for its players. We are uh, heading into March. March being the NCAA tournament. I believe, Gerald, you came up, uh, they call it March Madness. Um, you came up with a fantastic name for March Madness. What, what, what do you refer to it as? March Sadness. Yes. And it's apropos for what I, I think you're about to go into. Well, you know, every year this time, the players start talking about, like, Jalen Rose has been very, you know, throughout his whole NBA career because he had the stuff in Michigan. And now that he's a broadcaster on ESPN, he's very, very outspoken about it. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's talking about it. Young rookie from uh, the Lakers. I mean, all the players talking about it. Uh, Lonzo Ball said a, a hard quote saying, everybody knows everybody's getting paid. Might as well make it legal. Um, I don't know how this is going to work. I just don't know how they're going to break up this money, but uh, March Sadness, as Mr. Moody calls it, is a billion-dollar business. College sports are a billion-dollar business, and the players are out there uh, playing, uh, bringing in all the money and getting nothing. The jerseys yeah. are being sold. Uh, their likeness is played in video games. I mean, everybody knows the story. Uh, what do you have to say about this, Mr. Moody? I want to applaud all the coaches who've been giving money to some of the players' parents and some of the kids, because I know sometimes they see these kids and it's desperation. These Some of these kids are destitute. And, yo, I understand how those coaches feel sometimes. Yo, you have to give money. They're making a boatload off the draw. The, the players are the draw. The people come to the arena not to see the fucking coaches. They don't give a fuck about Coach mm-hmm. K. They come to see... The brothers do the ill shit. So why not pay these guys uh, because you're exploiting them. And like uh, Stan Van Gundy said, it's what it, it's the worst organization. It's it's a tier 
below organized crime. Mm. I called it a cartel. Mm. I agree, man. I don't have a solution, but they got to figure something out. Um, they got to figure something out because it is, it is crazy, man. Yeah. Um, also, this happened in Cleveland with your Cleveland Cavaliers again with a <laughs> San Antonio Spur. And as I mentioned, we got our guy Kyle Anderson coming up later in the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Uh, he was called all kind of shit. They were playing in Cleveland the other day. Somebody referred to Patty Mills. They said, hey, Jamaican dog, they want their bobsledders back. See, see, this is that bullshit. And, and you could hear it clearly. First of all, throw the guy out of the arena. You're never allowed back. And, and publicly shame him. Because you can't do anything. You can't, you can't beat him up. Right, but, right. but he should be publicly shamed. Like They should identify him. Uh, his workplace should be informed that he did this. His family should be informed. Uh, me and Dean Collins should be informed so we could put him on the shame <laughs> game. And you Word. have to publicly shame these people. You can't yeah. just talk that way openly to people and think shit is sweet. Right. You're right. It should be consequence. Morally, morally, it's wrong for this guy to have said that, of course. But there should be consequence where the NBA uh, voids all your fucking tickets. You can't come to any games. So you should pay for that. But you could say what you want, but it should be consequence. You can't go to the game and say that. It's a family environment. You can't go to Disney on Ice and say I, shit like that. It's the same thing. I agree. But I'm saying... You can't stop the guy from saying Oh, no, it, say right? what you want, but then there's consequences. I want to speak exactly. to your family, your mom, and where you work. I want exactly. to give a shout-out to Kevin Durant. He gave $10 million, $10 million to help disadvantaged kids in his hometown. Uh, nice, nice. This is the same guy that Fox reporter last week, uh, Laura Ingram, the one who, who my uh, rant that I'm still on suspension from Twitter – uh, because of my Laura Ingram shut up and dribble response. Her uh, shut up and dribble thing was thrown at Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Kevin Durant never been in trouble, never had any issues off the court, came up hard, you know, came up from the bottom. He just donated $10 million. Laura Ingram, what do you do for anybody, you fucking Bobby Brown jaw chicken head? You're a chicken head. You're a cluckhead. Me calling you a chicken head got me suspended off Twitter for seven days, and I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it. I want to give a shout-out to LeBron and to KD for all the things they do socially, all the money they donate. And this is probably just some of the things that we hear about. I know these guys right. do a lot of shit that we don't even hear about. Laura Ingram, you do nothing. You do nothing except for splash gallons of makeup on your face. <laughs> you splash gallons of makeup on your Botox-riddled face. You should be ashamed of yourself, you dog you. <laughs> yeah, shout out to LBJ and KD for taking it uh, on the chin and doing what they're supposed to do, man, as, as, uh, as athletes, man. She says, shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. These are good guys doing the best they can, doing so much for their communities, giving, donating so much money. And this pig says, shut up and dribble. Right. Right. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but- this is ridiculous. And, you know, I was thinking about my Twitter suspension because I was, I, yo, first of all, I'm actually kind of glad that I'm off Twitter because nothing good has ever come to me from Twitter. But if you go on Twitter and you look up anything, you could see all kind of sex, violence, uh, you know, gay sex, uh, straight sex, trans sex, all, anything and everything you want. <laughs> but when I call this chicken head a chicken head, they suspend me for a week. <laughs> right, but yeah, you, you, you got a track record. They on your ass. 
But think about that. Think about all the things you could see on Twitter and, and, and nobody has a problem with Pornhub this. I mean, you just scroll through. You, you see you see girls taking it in the seat. You see all kind oh. of shit that Woo. you don't want to see. <laughs> Word. That's true. I'm trying, to get the score. I'm trying to get the score for the Yankee game and I see a girl taking it in the seat. I didn't I didn't pay for this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> so this is another thing that got me really personally offended. I mean, this is just disgusting, man. All right, what, what happened? Dick stain Donald Trump. This guy will turn anything around and make it about himself. This piece of shit. And, and I never thought I would be talking about a president like this. But this piece of shit, this shameless, he has no regard. He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about his wife. He doesn't care about his kids. He doesn't care about these people in this country that voted for him. He had the balls, the fucking goal, the nerve. In regards to last week's shooting in Florida, he said, I honestly think that if if I was there, I would have ran in that building and I would have done something even if I didn't have a weapon. Uh, I, I can't fuck with you on this, Donald. Uh, you didn't go to the fucking draft, man. You dodged the draft. You dodged That's the what- fucking draft, you <laughs> fucking scumbag. This guy admitted on Howard Stern there was a guy dying on the street of New York, and he didn't help him. He was bleeding out. You wouldn't have done shit if you had been there right. in Florida. You're a piece of shit. And the fact that you make this Florida thing in any way, shape, or form about yourself, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. And I don't see how people like who, who vote for him, like just think for a second what this person is saying. Children lost their lives. Adults trying to save children's lives were killed. And you got the balls to say what you would have done? You wouldn't right. have done a fucking thing, man. He puts his foot in his mouth a lot. And uh, that, but what, yo, that's how this man is, man. This is no act. This is how this guy is. And he's not a politician, so you're not going to get that straight-up suit talk. You're going to get his talk. This is his personality. Unfortunately, that's what it is, man. <laughs> but, but just morally, I don't understand how morally, like how morally that could be even something that would think to even say. After all the things that he has said, and the list is too long to even rattle off until too long to even remember, I was thinking like morally to even... Bring yourself into the equation and what you would right. have done and what other right. people didn't do. Like, right. it's just terrible, man. And, and, and especially in regards to something that's so serious and so, so heartbreaking in regards to kids getting right. killed in schools. And you somehow, someway add yourself into the equation. And when you were drafted for the army, you didn't do fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a bad look, man. To put that out there. When, when people are in mourning and it's, it's a tragedy, yo, that, that, that was not a time for politics, bruh. <laughs> Terrible, man. Terrible, man. It just made me sick, man. Your girl, Omarosa, and I want you to, you, you, you could take the lead on this. Omarosa, uh, you know, she left the White House. She said after leaving the White House, it was like being freed off a plantation. Omarosa. Uh. You went to the plantation willingly. Shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah, come on. Come on, man. I don't believe none of that shit from her. Because, yo, you, you was down with this dude. This dude, you got married at the White House. 
You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. I know that's bullshit. Donald Trump is your dude. Donald Trump put you on. <laughs> Don't front now. You went to the plantation willing you. You were happy to be there. Yeah. And now you're talking I, you about getting freed from the plantation. Nah. I'm thinking of writing a tell-all sometime. Yo, if, if you really were about it and you really wanted to like help people, you'd do it now. Just like that fucking Scaramucci and those other people. Like, oh, this, I might do this. Yo, if you got something to say and this guy's such a bad guy and it was like being on a plantation, do something about it right now. Yeah, man, this is a hustle, man. This is for her. This is a hustle. This is how you turn it around and say, oh, it was so bad. It's what, it's what you really, it's what the people think, exactly what happened. Here's the book. This is a hustle, man. You know Donald Trump, you know Donald Trump is your man. He put you on. You was on that show and you got in the White House. And you got married in the White House. And after it's said and done, you're still going to be fucking with Donald Trump. So just keep shit above. That's all. Yo, th this story has been looming since the Olympics started. Uh, as you know, the Olympics are, are uh, they're in South Korea. Okay? And this has been looming for a little while. I heard, I, it's the second story I heard about this. Yo, you know how you hear rumors about these people out there eating dogs? Oh, oh, rumors? Yeah, shit. I, I Yo, know that's real. It, it, shit is real. Yeah. Uh, I, I read two articles. One was from an American freestyle skier who talked about the inhumane treatment of dogs he witnessed when he was there. They got dog farms. Like how we have like chicken farms and cow. Yo, they, be, they eat the dogs. Like if you go yeah. into the little bodegas and the diners out there, you can have dog soup. Hell yeah. But I would tell you, mind your motherfucking business. You in that talking man, about me? Yeah, you in that man's country. That's their culture. That's what they do. But you the arrogant-ass American coming in there and saying, oh, look, they're eating dogs. Yeah, they're eating dogs. You in <laughs> their country. Yo. They, if they come here and they see you eating what? What, some bullshit, right? Yo, some, my man, my man, Some my man. lamb. Nah, they, Duke. They'll look at you like you're a crazy person. Duke, 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 you ain't eating my motherfucking dog, Duke. I don't know what the fuck you saying right now. You're not Yo. eating my fucking dog, Duke. They're over there Yo. eating dogs like shit is sweet. Yo, it shit is sweet. Shit ain't sweet, it's, Duke. It's their culture. It's, it's sweet. How do you judge their shit? Leave them alone. My man, they, you're not supposed they to be eat eating dogs. dogs in 2018, Duke. Nah, this ain't, this ain't no cave shit. They like to taste the dogs. What's nah, you a fucking you? animal. Yo, anybody <laughs> over there that eats dogs, you're a fucking animal. I don't give nah. a fuck what you say. Nah, them chihuahuas got some good chicken liver. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Detract de de that shit. Take that back so people don't say nothing to you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm going to give you a minute right now to detract this. Make sure people know you were joking. You're talking crazy. Nah, but I'm saying this. I, you're I not eating my dog, Duke. Duke, you're not I eating my fucking this. dog, Duke. Get out of the next man's culture and try to judge them on what Americans do. I'm judging you. Do you do you. You do you. And let them eat their dog. Nah, my man. I, I'm judging you. You eating dogs and shit. I'm judging you. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm judging you if you eat dogs. I'm judging you if you eat dogs. And I'm judging you if you fuck dogs. Same thing. Hey. They look at dogs different. Yo, and since you're talking about dogs, I got to tell you this story. We're talking about those uh, emotional support dogs, right? On a flight to San Diego, uh, a Marine... Brought his uh, dog on, on, on flight. So the victim was sitting in the window seat. The, the dog was sitting in the guy's lap. And all of a sudden, 
the dog jumps up and fucking thrashes the, the passenger in the face, leaves him a bloody mess. Damn. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, man, that if, if that shit happened to me and I'm sitting there and I'm eating my motherfucking peanuts <laughs> and it's the dog jumps in my grill, huh. I got to tell you, I'm going to have fur in my mouth and I'm going to have his fucking, I'm going to bite his fucking nose off. <laughs> yo, because I'm there cooling, waiting for, the, you know, and this motherfucker, yo, they ripped, he ripped that guy's face to shreds. This is fucked up. <laughs> you can't have these motherfuckers on the plane, man. No, no, you can't. You can't. Yo, there's one thing I wanted to tell you. I didn't tell you at the last, the last podcast. You mean the last, no, the, the gangbang? Yeah, it was one shit I, I didn't get in. I remember you had dude on from, I, I don't know his name, uh, uh, Little Cat or whatever. You had dude on, and then one of the fans hit me and said, who the fuck is that? Homeboy's garbage. And then I listened, and I concurred that, and I, I told you, yo, who the fuck is this dude? Huh. Now, you, yo, yeah, you talking about this motherfucker Dan Katz. Motherfucker <laughs> Sweet Cat. You, you're not Big Cat, you Sweet Cat. You sweet. Yeah, yeah, we, we had him on. That was my fault. I was trying to create synergy. See, right. I was trying to create synergy with these fucking cornballs. And, and the reason why he was on in the first place, it was the day that Scaramucci, Anthony Scaramucci, um, was sort of introduced to the world. That day that Scaramucci was introduced to the world, I think I was working all day. I'm pretty sure, I, I, yeah, I was working all day. So I was sort of behind uh, uh, what was going on. People were tweeting. He was talking shit. It was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He made his debut uh, uh, at a press conference. And uh, this dude, Sweet Cat, was texting me, texting me, texting me about Scaramucci and like what I thought of him. And I said, I didn't know. I didn't, you know, I hadn't known because I was, I was working. I, I just didn't see it. I was like a couple hours behind. So that night we were recording and you didn't know much about him. And I definitely yeah. didn't know much about him. So I'm like, yo, I've gone on this dude's podcast. We're new to Barstool. Let me have this motherfucker come on our shit and, you know, create synergy. You know what I mean? Because that's that's what I'm trying to do. We're there. We're trying to represent. And he came on. He was talking about uh, uh, Scaramucci, sort of walking me through what had happened that day. And the shit was, it was whack. It fell flat. And you told me, why the fuck is this guy on? This guy's corny. This dude is corny. Uh, the fans that said this dude is corny. And, yeah. and, and that was my fault. And honestly, out of all the people we've ever had on our show, the only regrets that I have were having this cornball on. Because that little bullshit they do on their podcast and on their barstool shit, it doesn't travel. Whenever they go outside a barstool and it's just regular fans that haven't been radicalized... <laughs> It doesn't travel. It doesn't go viral. It doesn't make any waves. No one's impressed. They come in there. They do that little bullshit. It, it doesn't work. Him being on the podcast that one time talking about Scaramucci was a regret. The only other regret that I have of a podcast is, and I like him as a person, and I just saw him, and, and, and it's not that I don't like him, but I just sure to turn the heat up when my man, Little Dicky, he came on the podcast, and, and he told me, uh, uh, without any shame that he doesn't really listen to or know any old school hip hop. <laughs> right. A At lot of people, a lot of truthful. people told me, yo, you should have kicked them off and all that. Stuff. And I shouldn't have, it's not that I should have kicked them off, but I should have, I went in on him, but I was like, I was so surprised by what he was saying. I couldn't flip on him. 
And and that's just not my thing. Like, I'm not going to, like, really diss somebody. If they come to my crib, they come on the podcast, I'm not going to diss them. But I should have turned it up a little more. But I fuck with little Dickie. I just saw him yeah. at, at the Snoop thing. But money coming on our podcast, it, it proved, like, your shit is corny. You're whack. You're corny. And, and that whole Scaramucci thing, when he got kicked out, when his man, Donald Trump, fired him, where does he go first? And And these guys literally... It's like they rolled out the red carpet for Scaramucci. He came into the, the barstool office. He took over their interview, talked all kind of shit, like controlled the entire interview because he knows these dudes are fucking amateurs. These dudes right. are corny. These guys were in the office singing for this guy, celebrating him. And I said it once, I said it twice. Donald Trump, his whole crew, his wife, Sean Spicer, his daughter, that clown, Jared Kushner, they're all responsible. So if I was to ever come across them, if I was to ever have them on the podcast, yo, we're not celebrating you. We're not, we're not hobnobbing with you. You want to come keep it funky? What's up with your man? What's up with your man? These guys, he came onto their podcast and controlled the whole shit. Mm-hmm. And these guys are like celebrating. Yo, we got Scaramucci. They're little sluts. They'll have anybody on their podcast despite the fact of what their personal feelings are to get ratings. Like this motherfucker, Sweet Cat, he texted me one night. He was in a restaurant and Steve Bannon and a couple of other these crust and, and, and his true feelings about them. He was texting me, oh, these people are held or whatever, whatever he was saying. I'm like, but when you had Scaramucci on, you didn't say shit. You didn't say shit. He sent me a picture of him with like a veil. You could see Steve Bannon in the background. And if you can't, I'll put the shit up on it. I'll post it. Mm. But when he comes on your podcast, you're like kissing his ass like you're you're there with like somebody who's doing something positive. He's a piece of shit. But maybe they support that that party. Oh, they do support it. Oh. Oh, they do support it. They do support it. But I don't know if Sweet Cat does, but the motherfucker with the bleached asshole, he does. I asked him on, on one of the shows because I and, and I, I was so surprised that he did. I was so surprised that he, that he said, yeah, he votes for Trump. And he's he does the same bullshit that Trump does. This motherfucker's yo, matter of fact, Miles, Jordan, I, I wasn't planning on turning that Willie Hutch on. But turn that motherfucking Willie Hutch on, man. Give me that motherfucker Willie Hutch. That's that good Willie right here. This motherfucker with the bleached asshole. He supports this motherfucker and he's using the same tactics. This motherfucker with the bleached asshole is from the suburbs of Massachusetts. He's not from Boston. He's not the from Boston. He, now, he ain't the common man. <laughs> His father's a lawyer, upper middle class. He went to Michigan which is not the common man college. He's fronting like he's the common man and he's selling these fucking kids that he got radicalized bullshit t-shirts that I wouldn't even clean my motherfucking car with. We pride ourselves on selling butter soft t-shirts and we, when we went over to that place, they were like, you know, if you sell the bullshit versions, you could save money and make more money. I was like, yo, Part of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast brand is the Buttersoft t-shirts. We're not faking jacks. We're not going to cheat our fans. That's how they treat the stoolies? Oh, yeah, they don't give up. They sell them garbage t-shirts. You put them in the laundry, they shrink into a motherfucking tank top. 
And they tried to get us to do that. When they first sent us the first t-shirts we were over there using, they sent us the, the kind of t-shirts that you clean your tires with when they're dirty. This motherfucker with the bleached asshole, he's walking around doing pizza reviews in New York City. Yo, my man, yo, we coming, we coming to shut that shit down. Word. We're coming to shut that shit down. This guy walks around New York City. He walks in there unsuspiciously, unknowing. These people give him pizza, all right, or he buys a slice, and then he comes back, and he'll give bad reviews to pizza, and he's fucking people's business up. Hard-working people in New York, and he's not even from New York. Duke, your palate ain't made for New York pizza. And when I get back to New York, I'm going to all the pizza places I fuck with. All the pizza places in Brooklyn, the spot we go to in the Bronx, yep. the spots out in Queens, the spot over there by me on the Upper East Side. And I'm telling you, if you see this ballerina-looking motherfucker come into your spot asking to buy a slice of pizza, tell him to get the fuck out. Because he's there to ridicule you and to shit on your business and make you look bad to benefit him. One bite, everybody knows the rules. Why the fuck don't you eat the whole slice of pizza, you salad-eating bitch? <laughs> eat the motherfucking slice of pizza. I guarantee you this motherfucker be puking them shits up. He eats the slice and then pukes it like a little ballerina motherfucker. He don't you, know the pizza shop. He don't know the fucking pizza shops. Yeah. One bite, everybody knows. Fuck your rules. I'm telling all the pizza places, yo, when you see this, this corny motherfucker come in here, <laughs> If you see a motherfucker come in here who got hair gel, only motherfucker left in 2018 using hair gel. If you see this motherfucker come in here with hair gel, walking around like a motherfucking ballerina, like he got something stuffed in his asshole, like he got a motherfucking, like a barstool butt plug stuffed in his bleached asshole, tell this motherfucker <laughs> to get out. Don't serve him shit. You're not reviewing shit. Your palate ain't made for New York pizza. Fuck oh. are you to be reviewing pizza, motherfucker. You can't even <laughs> taste them shits. What do you think would happen if this guy came to Sal's Pizzeria? <laughs> oh, Sal's famous pizzeria? Yeah. Dude, the one that was portrayed in Do the Right Thing? Uh, Danny yeah. Aiello's spot? Danny spot? Danny spot. Oh. Oh, Sal would fucking grab the baseball bat first and be like, what do you want? No fucking service for you. I built this fucking pizzeria with these fucking hands. Brick by fucking brick. You're the common man. I'll break your fucking common head. You want to give me a bad fucking review off of one bite? I'll hit you with this fucking baseball bat one time. One hit. Everybody knows the fucking rules. I'm making the fucking rules. Get the fuck out of Brooklyn. <laughs> You're the common man. Get the fuck off the street. Pino, leave him alone. Let him go. Don't you fucking come back here, you little cocksucker. That's the cocksucker I see on the TV. That's the cocksucker I see on the computer. <laughs> Vinny Jr.'s always watching him. Yeah, the one with the bleached asshole. That little cocksucker that was just in here. He bleaches his fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. I didn't plan it. But this turned into the motherfucking barstool gangbang part due. Yeah. <laughs> give, them, give them what they want. 
This this, this little this this fucking guy the other day, I said I called him a soulless Jew. Oh, Ever right. since then, he's been walking around New York with a, a Jew Crew T-shirt. Damn, it took you to drag him out. Be proud of yourself. <laughs> Be proud of yourself. Fucking L. Ron Hubbard trying to manipulate these kids into bullshit. Pompous motherfucker. One bite, everybody knows the rules. One fucking hand job. Eat the slice of pizza, you fucking hand job, you. You puker. We don't accept your reviews, motherfucker. Fuck your reviews. When we come back to New York, we're shutting all that down. Yeah. I'm coming back to New York, I'm shutting that shit down. I'm walking every pizza place I walk by. I'm saying, if you see this clown motherfucker, don't serve this motherfucker. Oh, that's how they get down. They be yeah, he uh, walks bad in there and they shit. come out, they shit on the pizza. He didn't even give Patsy's a good review. His palate is fucked up. He's from the suburbs of Massachusetts. Get the fuck out of New York City, man. <laughs> And you know, you know who's popping shit too? Yeah, you who? would think a motherfucker who was spared his job, was spared his time at the rehab out there with Harvey Weinstein. Mm. This motherfucker, KFC. Kevin or whatever the fuck his name is. I don't even know this motherfucker's last name. Kevin some shit. He's still <laughs> talking shit. You know oh, the motherfucker with the face oh he's still talking damn I thought it... you know which dude still i'm talking fuck. about the dude with the face yeah yeah i know but money with the face i know who you're talking you know about. Who i'm talking about the one who did the bullshit to his wife he's still yeah. popping shit this motherfucker uh, should be out in a rehab getting his shit together you trying to come from me right. this motherfucker was probably a mistake he probably wasn't wanted that's why you cheating on your wife while she's giving birth. So you still talking shit to me? The Jake <laughs> LaMotta of podcasting? You couldn't talk it. shit to... You You must want it. They want it. Give it to them. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to give it to them right now, Monetti. What I'm going to do right now is an impromptu reading of his wife's Instagram messages. Because as you know... Mm. Right before his wife had birth. And this is just all she knows about. You know there's, you know there's a whole lot more. This is just what she caught him with. Right mm. before his wife gave birth. And then three, four, five days after she had, hopefully, is a beautiful baby that doesn't look like this motherfucker. Because nobody wants a baby with the face. <laughs> of course not. Would you want a baby with the face? Hell no. You got to look at that motherfucker all the time. Hopefully Hell. this baby came out healthy. So she didn't record herself, okay? She, she texted him. So I am going to give a voice to the voiceless. Here is Dang. the first ever reading of KFC, the corny motherfucker with the face, <laughs> his wife's dramatic text messages. Oh. Miles, let me get that cry. Feel like I'm doing work for the voices here. This is this is me giving a voice to the voiceless. And by the way, sweetheart, if you ever ever want a real man, <laughs> I know you want a real man to quote the great Clubber Lang. You just take that six train up to Gun Hill Road. Mm-hmm. 
You see my man up there? You'll know who he is, even if you don't know who he is. He'll be the dude standing by the Gun Hill Road train station, naked. When it gets lonely, and you realize you fucked up by marrying this corny, clown, half-good, no-talent, cheating, conniving motherfucker, you take that train Mm. up to Gun Hill Road. My man will be up there naked. He'll be standing there naked. Winter, spring, summer, fall, waiting. Championship belt. Mm. These are her words, not mine, and I'm quoting. Last night, after I put my two-year-old daughter and six-month-old son to bed, I caught my husband sending messages to his mistress, mm. who he's been apparently seeing since I was eight months pregnant. Damn. He don't give a fuck. Mm-mm. Days before I gave birth, he was at a hotel, a.k.a. a telly in Manhattan, Manny Hattie. Skeeting in a telly while she's in labor. Mm. Days after I gave birth, he was there also in the telly. And this is this is the painful part. This, these are her words. The rugs been Pulled out from underneath me. Mm. Mm. Let that cry play. Devastation. I gotta quote the great Jay Z. I can't see him coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. Despite what cheesy Instagram posts would lead you to believe we didn't have the perfect marriage, no one does, but I never in my wildest dreams suspected he was capable of doing this to me, my daughter, and my son. Damn. Oh. Money, what's wrong with you? Oh, my God. What's wrong with you, Money? This the, You know what the problem is? See, this is the kind of motherfucker who never got any pussy in real life. He got, a little, he got a little barstool fame. Got a little somebody sliding up in the DMs, and he couldn't control himself because he hates himself. You did that <laughs> to your wife, your daughter, and to your son and these things live forever just like motherfucking herpes bitch <laughs> they uh, never go away yeah that, ever ever that ever never. go away and I'm not disrespecting anybody with herpes I don't have it but they never go away that shit never goes away you no, hear that you shamed your wife your daughter and your kid you should be worrying about them the fuck you doing talking about me Word. Cool out, money. Stop talking, too. Fuck, man. Shut the fuck up, Duke. It's bad enough you're walking around with the face and no one's told you your entire life. And she continues, the kind, funny, relatable, quote-unquote, family man I thought I married is clearly lower, more insecure, and more disrespectful than I ever imagined. Damn. It doesn't matter who it was with. He's already trashed her. And dropped her like a hot potato behind her back, so she'll receive the same treatment. Mm. Mm. I never asked for my family to be so public, but since I know this is going to come out anyway, I wanted to set the truth straight before the public humiliation begins to accompany the private one I am now dealing with. This poor woman. Terrible. Let me tell you something. That's it. I don't even want to continue reading.
Yeah, fuck it. I'm getting choked up reading the shit. It's making me. I, just, I'm, I, I feel bad for this woman. I just want to tell money. Don't worry about Rappaport, man. Just stop talking, man. Because this motherfucker ain't going to stop. And it's just going to get worse for you, dude. Just cool out. He's cheating on her when she had the vagina stitches. I hate to bring up the goddamn vagina stitches again. I did not plan on getting into the vagina stitches again. Okay? He, yeah. She's in the hospital, distressed, and you skeeting in the telly. Ooh. Jesus Christ. Hashtag skeeting in the telly. Skeet, 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 skeet. Dang. Another motherfucker that I want to get at today. Right. Since we're on this shit. This is a this is a nobody. Nothing. Motherfucker. I told him to his face. You're not funny. <laughs> you're not you don't you don't have it. I told him to his face when I was on the radio with him. I said, you're not funny. Your bits ain't funny. Your skits ain't funny. You don't have it. Okay? I, I, I've been around the most talented people in the world. I've seen them do their thing right in front of me. Whether it be right. comedy, whether it be acting, whether it be MCs. I'm looking at you, Duke. You don't have it. This motherfucker, right. Francis. This motherfucker is, I mean, straight piss color. Now, I thought we were cool. We had the little thing, shook hands, moved on. I actually did the radio show uh, before all this bullshit happened with the asshole bleacher with my man Willie Cologne. Shout out to Willie Cologne from the Boogie Down Bronx. Yes. Willie's a professional. He's got to carry this motherfucker around like a duffel bag on a radio show, a sports radio show. This motherfucker doesn't know anything about sports, and he's not funny. I feel bad that they put Willie with this cornball. Oh, damn, it's like that? He stinks. Oh. He stinks. He, he wants to be a stand-up comedian. I'm like, say, stop. You can do all the stand-up comedy shows you want and fill it with these fucking stoolies. If you're nice, go out in the field, come out to L.A., come to the comedy store, come to the Laugh Factory, come to the improv, go up there. They're going to prove you ain't shit. You know you're not <laughs> funny. And I'm going to tell you something, Francis, you corny motherfucker. The dream is not being fulfilled. You're not going to be on Saturday Night Live. You're never getting a Netflix special. You was talking shit after I called in the radio show that was pre-recorded with me, Willie Cologne, your corny ass, and the chick Binks, who was cool also. And then after we pre-recorded it, you put up some bullshit blog in the darkness of the night like an episode of Homeland. You're a mark-ass, backstabbing, corny motherfucker. And I am guaranteeing you, and and I hate to squelch dreams, but I'm letting you know you ain't shit. You Mm. ain't got it. You ain't funny, okay? You're not getting on Comedy Central. You're not getting on Saturday Night Live. You're not getting on Mad TV. There is no motherfucking rainbow at the end of the sky, cornball. Damn. I don't know about this motherfucker. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think this guy's a joke, man. This guy's a joke. Put out these fucking blogs and shit. When I was on the radio, like, yo, we had our little bullshit. We cool. And then you putting out blogs. Corny motherfucker. <laughs> oh, doing the sucker shit behind your back. Yo, I'm trying to tell these guys there. You're being used. You are being used. If you're so talented, write a movie. Write a TV show. So you could really get some money because your man ain't giving you any of the money. He's having his employees fight each other, exploiting his own employees to beat the shit out of each other for a little chump change. And he takes home the big purse. 
Mm. Damn, that's what's that's what's good up there. That's what's going on. Yeah, oh, shit, yo. he got these motherfuckers fighting each other and all that shit. I got a special motherfucking announcement coming on the next podcast. An official, a special announcement. You got your employees fighting each other for a little chump change while you sit back and do nothing with your hair gelled back and your asshole bleach. I got something. <laughs> these guys talk about you're a race baiter. They're so baffled by why I talk my shit. They're so baffled why I like to talk about race. Good, bad, or indifference. They're confused by that. They say that's race baiting. If race baiting means bringing shit to the forefront and not being afraid to step on toes and have the uncomfortable conversation, if I'm trying to bait you into having a conversation about race, so motherfucking be it. You don't have the fucking balls to do it. You say you guys don't, you don't discuss politics. Why they stopped, one of the main things why they, they were so uh, upset with me, Michael Rappaport, is because of the Trump rants, the Jared Kushner rants, the Steve Bannon rants. They were like, this is not what we signed up for. This is not right. what the fuck you signed up for. I'm keeping it funky. You got a barstool political channel. Right. But they don't support. Fuck, they support Trump and these motherfuckers. So that's, they can't, you know. Then just say it. Just, just say it. Yo, we support I don't, Trump. I don't know we don't want it. any anti-Trump. Because for them to say they don't talk about politics is straight bullshit. That whole clique. That whole organization is filled with a bunch of yes men. You know, they got this dude there. He calls himself a midget. The proper term is, is a little person. But I'm just going to mm -hmm. refer to him as, as what he says. He calls himself Zay the Midget or Zod the Midget. This motherfucker, he's from Africa. I met him a few times. Always nice to me. And now you popping shit. This motherfucker, you got no sense of self. Get some knowledge yourself. You up in the barstool offices, the only black dude up there, and you happen to be a little person, you call yourself a midget, and you will dance on fucking cue? Mm. You will dance on cue? Yo, you better hope to goodness you never leave barstool, because if you go anywhere else, people gonna look at you like, yo, you ain't got no fucking self-respect. Zero yeah. self-respect. This motherfucker will dance on cue at a command. I think literally like this motherfucker will snap. This motherfucker will start dancing any place, anytime. He'll get on a table dance. He don't give a fuck. Uh-huh. That's uh, the little minstrel doll. <laughs> Fucking mascot will dance on cue. And you, yo, you talking sideways to me? See, yo. He, he talking shit? He, he fucking talking shit. Oh, man. What kind of shit? A dancing motherfucker who will talk shit. You should be ashamed of yourself. You got no respect. Yo, you need to get yourself some public enemy records, some brand Nubian records, <laughs> some KRS-One records. Get some motherfucking knowledge yourself. You got no knowledge yourself. You in America now, all right? You dancing on cue for this motherfucker? You playing yourself. And this beady-eyed motherfucker up there calls himself PFT. Motherfucker's name is Eric. Uh -huh. Dusty ponytail motherfucker who's always hiding behind his sunglasses because you don't want anyone to see how very apparent it is that you got no fucking talent. You ponytail mm. motherfucker. You hacky sack playing Dave Matthews band punk motherfucker. You ain't <laughs> shit. You ain't shit. You got zero fucking talent. Your shit don't fly. Your blogs ain't popping. Your videos ain't popping. This is the same motherfucker when we were up there last time. I was doing the show, that whack-ass shit with that, uh, uh, what's his name? Sweet Cat. Oh, right, right. You told me about this. Yeah. 
This the same motherfucker when we asked him who his favorite football players, he only rattled off white football players. This the same motherfucker who will make Hitler references all the fucking time. Oh, Saturdays are not for the motherfucking boys, cornball. Saturdays are for taking a fucking shower, you beady-eyed, no-talent motherfucker. Wash your motherfucking hair, ponytail punk. He's kicking that Hitler shit in front of the uh, president. Oh, the president don't give him. Yo, the next time I got to talk about these motherfuckers, I'm going to talk about a high-up dude in Barstool. He works at Barstool, and before he worked at Barstool, he would go on the message board and taunt Dave Portnoy, the soulless Jew. He would taunt him by calling him the K-word. Oh, word? Oh, man. And now he hired him. This is the kind of soulless punk motherfucker Portnoy is. Motherfucker was on the message boards calling him all kind of Jew this, Jew that, K-word this, K-word that, and then you got a job there? Self-explanatory. <laughs> Corny motherfuckers, man. I'll be right back with some sick fucks of the week. This award is earned, not given. It's called the Sick Fuck of the Week. This guy is really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn, you fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. 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 Sick fuck of the week. That's the sick fuck of the week music. Yes. You hear it classic theme song for an award-winning segment the sick fuck of the week it's an award that is earned not given it is an award that is earned but not given this is a follow-up first a sick fuck of the week remember the nurses the two georgia nurses we talked about them uh, a couple of months ago they were laughing on videotape as an old uh world war ii victim was gasping for his last breaths. They were just like casually laughing while this was happening. Yeah. They have been indicted in the death of an elderly World War II veteran after they were caught laughing on tape. Good for you, you sick fucks you. <laughs> um, this, this is true, the essence of a sick fuck. A brave subway fighter fights off a masturbating creep Stabs him with his blade after he hits her with pepper spray. A guy was on the train choking his chicken on the New York City subway. You're on the train choking your chicken. Well, apparently this guy, he suffered wounds to the chest and to the arm. He was targeting, uh, you know, women, obviously. Uh, the, the, he, he tried to grab the woman, uh, and then they got into a little encounter. Damn. That's terrible, man. Yo, have you ever been on a train where someone was, was, was pulled out their loaf? Nah, I never saw that. Thank God I never saw that. Man, yo, you do that around me, my daughter, my, my anybody, I'm cutting your shit off, bitch. <laughs> you, you, got the, you got the nerve to pull out your motherfucking appendage on the subway? Then, then the risk is it, it may get cut off. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to cut your dick off on the L train, Duke. <laughs> a U.S. Texas Army recruiter is facing charges for allegedly sending naked pictures of his genitals to a 16-year-old high school student. You sick fuck you. This is the essence of a sick fuck. 37-year-old Adam Perkins sent her texts also saying, I'm no angel. Sexy and all this. And he sent pictures of his privates to a 16-year-old girl. You're going to get locked up. Okay? Yeah. And in, in prison, they what they use for safe sex, in case you've never listened to the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, uh, they use a Wonder Bread bag. And if you're lucky, olive oil. That's going to yes. happen to you. And okay? it, won't be, it won't be a picture. No. <laughs> it ain't going to be a picture. It ain't nothing nice either, to quote the, the, the beat nuts. It ain't nothing yeah. nice. And uh, to quote Bill Raftery, send it in. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we had been saying for the last few weeks that, thank God, there had been a, a downward spiral of sex with animals in 2018, 2017. Yep. It's, it felt like every sick fuck of the week had at least uh, one, one person who was violating an animal. It had been quiet on the, on the, the sex with dogs front for a while. Well, we got somebody in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A man was arrested. His name is Ivan Devarin. He was arrested for having a sexual, a sexual relationship with his pet dog. His own animal, his own pet that lives in his house. You think the dog wants to have sex with you? The dog doesn't want to have sex with you. Ivan the Terrible. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, man, a lot, of, a lot of people get dogs, and, you know, dogs are so friendly and nice and everything. Man, you don't know what these people be doing, so you getting mad at the motherfucking uh, Koreans. Look at these motherfuckers here. They're like, yo, at least we eat them. We don't fuck them. <laughs> Jesus. Finally, in the Boogie Down Bronx, right up there where G. Monetti lives. Yeah. Right up there where the, uh, the Bronx Gloom Tomb is. Hip-hop Grand Ole Opry. Uh, apparently, the Bronx DA's office is overrun with sex, booze, fights, and crime. A crackdown has taken place in the Bronx District Attorney's office. People are skeeting. People are fighting. People are having sex in the, <laughs> in the office. They're doing <laughs> drugs in the office. Right up there in the boogie-down Bronx. Yep. Fort Apache. What's good? The Bronx DA office, you two are also the sick fucks of the week. Listen, what more can I say? Okay? We've done every single thing we could do. We set the table for my man, Kyle Anderson of the San Antonio Spurs. He's talking about what it's really like to play for Greg Popovich, how he's inspired by Pop being so socially conscious. He played in Jersey for the iconic hard-nosed coach, Bob Hurley, talking about the Jersey grit, the biggest trash talkers in the NBA, and so much more. Good dude from New Jersey, Jersey's own Kyle Anderson, coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Let's go. Hello. Kyle, it's Michael Rapaport. What's up, Mike? How you doing? Ha <laughs> ha. How you doing, man? 
Man, same old same. Can't complain. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. I appreciate you uh, coming to rock with me on the podcast. I'm a big fan, man. No doubt. Appreciate it. Likewise. And (laughs) you're from Jersey, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, well, let's get into this, man. I mean, you know, uh, your coach, Bob Hurley, you know, I've been a huge fan of his. Uh, You played for him uh, high school ball. You know, I've seen all the documentaries, all the pieces on him. Uh, I used to see him watch his son play before he went to Duke, uh, you know, around the city, you know, because me and uh, Bobby Jr. are around the same age. I was never as good as him, but, you know, I watched him play. Right. You know, from what I've seen, his practices and, and playing for Coach Hurley seemed so intense. And, right. you know, he's such an icon in terms of, you know, basketball coaching. What did you take away from, from playing for him? What do you remember about those practices? And, and how do you compare those practices to what you went through in college and even as a pro? Oh, wow. That, that's that's a great question. Uh, you know what? Playing for Coach Hurley uh, just just brought you a, a, a different sense of intensity. And, uh, you know, just... You know, just that Jersey grit, getting after it. That's what all his teams were about. Um, the practices and workouts were so tough. So we'd, we'd finish school at about 3 o'clock, and we'd have about, you know, we'd start about 3.30, weights from 3.30 to 4.30, and we'd have we'd have conditioning from about 4.45 to 5.30. And, you know, then we'd have practice where we'd go at it for about two, three, sometimes four hours. And, you know, those practices were hell, man. They were tough. Uh, they were competitive. Um, there were no, there was no foul calling, no out of bounds. It was, it was just straight war. And I, I think that's what wow. made our team so successful. Is uh, you know, the games were the easy part. You know, we we'd be excited for the games because we didn't have to practice. Practice would be so tough that uh, you know, it just made it just made you know playing against you know regular teams so much easier. And uh, I think that's I, he did a good job preparing us that way. Just you know, making workouts and making conditioning so tough. And, uh, you know, when it came to the game, it was the easy part. Could you compare the practices and the time with Coach Hurley with anything that you went through at UCLA or even in the pros? Coach Hurley practices, and this is no disrespect to, to the coaches I played for after Coach Hurley, but those were the toughest practices I've in, in my career. And I think people who played for Coach can tell you that. Those, those were the hardest practices, uh, without a doubt. Um with San Antonio, we don't practice as much uh, due to our schedule being so crazy. But, you know, co- college practices, anything after uh, Coach Hurley's practices were, were, were super easy uh, compared to what we did at St. Anthony's. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, because is the schools is the school closed down now? Yeah, yeah, it's done. It, it closed. Uh, this, this is the first year it's been closed down. How much of a heartbreak is that for you? Because, listen, I, I was just a fan, you know, and right. I know that, you know, they've, they've tried to keep it open for so many years. And, uh, uh, you know, like so many people came through there. So many people played against, uh, uh, you know, St. Anthony's. H- how much of a, a disappointment is, is that to you that the, the school could no longer exist? Yeah, it was tough. Um, but you know what? The school I went to my freshman and sophomore year, uh, Patterson Catholic, that one closed down, which forced me to go to St. Anthony's my junior year. So I, I was kind of used to it, but it, but then again, it's also heartbreaking. Um, you know, just a lot of tradition, a uh, lot of lot of history with St. Anne's. Coach Hurley's been there for you know what 40, 50 years. You know, such a long time that 
you know, it just sucks to not be able to come back to New Jersey and, and go see my high school play or, or, or something like that. Uh, you know, it was tough. But, um, you know, every year we would hear that, you know, St. Anthony's might close down, St. Anthony's might close down. and But to finally see it happen, it was, you know, it was pretty tough. It was pretty heartbreaking. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, So so what is the deal? I see you, your Instagram you you what are you like got these dogs you you train dogs you you got because i gotta tell you something man I, I have a rule about my dogs okay my dogs are and my pet situation because i got my mom's into her horses one of her horses kicked her uh, uh my pet situation is if i can't beat the animal in a fight i don't want it now you got these german shepherds it, it looks like right. are you raising them are you breeding them are you scared of them i mean you're you're six eight but those dogs probably don't see that right no uh they're cool man I, I i get them as puppies i get i get them when they're young and have them you know fall in love with with us and my with myself and my family at a young age but no they're awesome man i one of them, the older one, you know, he 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 wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. You know, he's he's harmless. He's 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 a you know a loving dog. Uh, there's they're such great companions. It's the younger one that uh, the younger one, his name is Nino. Um, that's the one you got to watch out for. He's 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 the bully. He's the, he's the muscle. Uh, you know, he's not letting anyone come in the house who ain't supposed to be in the house or mm. things like that. So uh, you know, he got a good balance. We, we got one one i don't want to say soft but you know one loving one and 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 then the younger one nino is 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 definitely the muscle <laughs> that that's funny uh so you grew up in new jersey yeah yeah grew up in, in in fairview it's uh i'm about 15 minutes from the tunnel 15 minutes from the bridge okay so cool so what is your take now obviously you're in the nba you made it you know right. when i grew up new york was the new york jersey the tri-state area was a plethora of NBA players. Right. You know, we we had so many guys, all different positions. Obviously, we had our point guards. You're, you're, you're a tall point forward. Is is New York basketball, you know, Jersey basketball, why aren't we producing the talent that we used to? We got you, we got Kemba, we got young Donovan Mitchell. You know, we're, we're making a little comeback, but but what, what is your take on, like, the basketball from New York City and Jersey? Hmm, I, I- I would always say, uh, I would say we just got a different grit about us. Um, you know, a lot of players, you don't, you don't see any soft players come out of, you know, where we're from. And, uh, it's, it's just a different grit about New York and New Jersey. Um, I, I can't really explain it. You don't, you know, you don't see it anywhere else. You know, myself, Carl, uh, uh, all the way down the list to Kyrie, uh, to JR, Donovan Mitchell, right. you know, there's there's just a different grit, man. Kemba, you know, maybe you can uh, you know point it to, you know, we play street ball or you know, I don't know, just that Jersey, New York, you know, tri-state area pride that we take. Um, I, I would just say we got a different grit about us, man. We're competitors. Uh, you know, we're gonna give us your all. You know, it's it's, it's just different. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a different grit about us guys from from the tri-state area. <laughs> um. Well, I'm I'm glad you're doing your thing. So so you're drafted by the Spurs. Right. You, you know, it's it's like being like drafted by the Yankees or the Patriots. Right. What is you know your first memory welcome to the NBA moment in regards to the Spurs? Like like when did it become like holy shit, you know, like I'm I'm part of the Spurs. There's so many iconic players, 
you know, right. Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker, you know, right. Duncan. I mean, there's, you know, you go on and on and on, especially in the last 20 something years. What do you remember? Like, you know, where you kind of like, yo, I'm part of the Spurs. Uh, see, I, I would say that first day of training camp, man, that, my rookie year, that first day was, you know, it, you're in a gym with, with, you know, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and, you know, you're doing drills with them. You're, you know, you're working hard with them. You're sweating with them. Uh, you know, you guys go into the same locker room after. And it's just like, I, I would say it took me that whole first year to, to, to really soak that in. Like when you step on the court with those guys, you, you can't let them outwork you. And they come to work every day. That's, that's one thing about those guys and, and, and being a part of Spurs. These guys come in and work every day. There's no glitz and glamour. There's no cameras uh, recording everything that we do. It's, it's you know, you bring your lunch pail in and you come in and put that work in. So just being on the court with those guys, you know, it's it, it's like, you know, being a young guy, you can't let them outwork you. So it's going to bring the best out of you every day. Um, and, you know, it was, tr- it was just an honor. I was the luckiest guy in that 2014 draft to be able to go to a good team like that and, and, and learn the right way, learn how to carry yourself off the court, mm. learn how to, you know, you know, respect your opponents, you know, just, you know, all the, all the great things that, you know, that I've learned being in San Antonio is, you know, truly a blessing, you know, being drafted to them for sure. When you say learn how to respect your opponent, do you mean like, what do you mean specifically by that? Like, and, and what did you learn in regards to respecting your opponent or, and, and carrying yourself? Because there's a way that you guys, you guys are chill. There is no cameras. You don't see no Instagram. Like, you right. know, it's, it's, I don't want to say mysterious cause you get to see your personalities on the court a little bit, but it's definitely like your own thing. Right. Uh, pop tells us he, speaks of appropriate fear he calls it appropriate Mm. fear before a lot of games and you know that means you know hey we respect our opponent you know but we still want to you know still want to go in and and do what we got to do and you know those those are you know maybe we're playing a team on a back-to-back who has a was a lesser record than us or you know their record isn't so good they're not playing well it's like, you know, we, we still got to respect that they're an NBA team. Um, you know, these guys want to come out and give us their all. And, you know, every team that plays the Spurs, they want to kick our ass. They want to, you know, they, they're, they're going to give us their all. Um, so that's just, you know, having that appropriate fear. You know, hey, these guys are NBA players, but we still got to go do what we got to do, you know, regardless their record, regardless of how they're playing or maybe a coach just got fired. You know, you got to have that appropriate fear. Out of all the guys on this team, this Spurs team, you know, Kawhi is notoriously low-key. Tony Parker, you know, he seems like he's got, you know, more of a personality. Manu's like, you know, he's like 69 years old, so I'm sure he's... (laughs) Who who is like, what is the the locker room like? Who would you say is the loudest person on that team? Who's the most boisterous? Who, the most boisterous? uh, We don't really have one. That's that's just not, I don't know, that's... You know, or they don't act like that in front of the team. Uh, oh. We're we're everything that people think we are. It's you know I wouldn't say we're boring. Um, you know we're a super interesting team, but you know guys just don't act like that around here. I don't know. We we don't have anybody that's boisterous or you know loud and noisy or anything like that. You know we I don't know. We conduct ourselves a certain way. Um, you know it, it may people may think it's boring, but that's just how we are. You know we're we're super tight as a unit. Um, off the court, a uh, very close team. Um, but, you know, we don't got anybody acting a fool or anything like that. <laughs> no, I think that's good. I, I think it's good. Uh, right. Obviously, Kawhi is, is, is such a star. It, you know, he even makes jokes about how low-key he is. 
do you ever see him like play around? Like, is he just always quiet? Is he just one of these dudes who just keeps to himself? I mean, he's because, but now you're starting to see a different personality. Like, he's making sort of jokes about himself and coming out of his shell. But, like, what is he like? No, that, that well, everybody asked me that too. And that, and that's not even why. Uh, that's, you know, why is regular, you know, makes jokes, laughing. You know, he's, he's, he's no different from everybody else. Uh, Got a great personality. Um, dude works super hard. Uh, he's a good leader on our team. Very vocal. More vocal than what people think. But mm-hmm. uh, nah, he's a regular dude. You know, cracking jokes, laughing. Uh, you know, shooting the stuff. It's the same thing. Why? Why? Why ain't no different from everybody else? Everybody always asks that too. That's funny. I'm sure. I'm sure. And and, and Powell goes like. There's so many international dudes. Obviously, with Powell and Tony. Right. I mean, you got a, a whole hodgepodge of people, and you're from Jersey. You're a right. Jersey dude, and I can hear it in you. Like, it must be just a fun crew of people. You know what? I, I look at these guys off the court, and it's, it's guys I grew up watching, but these guys are great dudes off the court. Like, you know, forget basketball, forget everything else, like, you know, all the accomplishments, the rings these guys have. Like, these guys are good dudes off the court. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, you know, what I like to do is pick their brain, Um you know, just I feel personally, I think I'm going to be in this league a long time. So I look around at guys who are who have been in the league in a long time and I ask them questions. You know, what was your first car? What are you doing the off season? You know, what do you do with your family? Uh, you know, I just try to pick their brain. I'm, You know, I look around the plane. I'm sitting next to, you know, Danny Green and Rudy Gay and Pau Gasol, like you said, you know, just great names. Um, and I realize how cool these guys are off the court. So I try to learn from them as much as I can because I want to be in their situation where it's, you know, their 15th year in the league and they're still playing and they're still successful and still competing every day. So, you know, that's that's where I see myself. And I just feel I got to take the, the, the opportunity to pick these guys brains and learn how they did it. You know, you know, learn why they're still here. It's it's you know, I think that's just my duty as a young guy on this team. You might you might want to start a podcast. So let me ask you, what was your first car? <laughs> Uh, my first car, I bought a Mercedes Benz S550 my rookie year. <laughs> and do you spend your off season in San Antonio or do you spend your time in Jersey? No, nah, no, nah, I come back to Jersey. I, I, you know, I live in, I live in Jersey in the summertime. That's dope. Um, right. what are some of your like first moments? Welcome to the NBA moments. Like the first time you're on the court because, uh, you know, like you work so hard, you're playing uh, for Coach Hurley. You, you know, it, I'm sure it's a lifelong dream to make it to the NBA. You're part of the San Antonio Spurs. You walk out onto the court. What do you remember the first time you were like, holy shit, this is like I'm, I'm guarding whoever it is, like, like a sort of that surreal moment. Right. Uh, shit, I got to say it was Dirk. Uh, you know, Dirk. I, I checked into the game and I'm, you know, he's one of my favorite players growing up. And this dude's seven foot and he, you know, he's not missing in the game. He's killing. And uh, it, I'm just staring at him really like, you know, not really even focused on the game. Just, you know, looking at, I'm on the free throw line next to Dirk Nowinski. I, th- I you know, I think that was pretty awesome. Uh, my rookie year, Damon Lillard gave us 50 and I'm, I was just in awe, you know, just, just watching that go down. Um, you know, there's a few moments, uh, you know, but that's that was exactly my feeling stepping on, putting on that NBA jersey. You know, you're just out here like, you know, wow, this is really it. Is everything you work for? Uh, but then, there, you know, you got to take it to another level where you, you know, can compete with these guys and, you know, try to become better than them for sure. 
who's the, at this point in the NBA, obviously, uh, you know, I was talking to, I can't remember what player I was talking to, but trash talking is dead in the NBA because there's so many cameras. And even if it gets missed on the live broadcast, you know, it'll pop up on social media. And, right. and, and you know, like everybody's so conscious of minding themselves. And obviously the San Antonio Spurs uh, are a team, you know, the way you guys, you guys just go out there, you bust ass and you keep it moving. Who would you say throughout your career, whether they're still in the league or not in the league, Who's who are the loudest players? Who are the players that talk the most? Uh, I gotta say Draymond. Uh, Draymond's probably the one that you know does the most. You know, he's he's loud out there. He does the most talking. Uh, you know, he's talking trash to us. He's communicating with his team. Um, you know, KG was another one. Uh, you know, just you know talking talking to us, talking to to his team. Uh, you know, out there communicating on defense. You know, those are two guys who. Um, or just happen to be leaders on defense and, and, and meant to be the most vocal. But, you know, I, I kind of seen a respect factor um, since I've been with San Antonio. Just like guys don't really talk trash to San Antonio. And, you know, if they do say something to our guys, like, you know, we don't respond for some reason. You know, I, I noticed that uh, I'd see guys, you know, try to get in Timmy's head or, you know, try to get in Manu or Tony's head and, you know, those guys just focus, you know, that, that, that don't really entertain or, or, or talk to the other team. Uh, oh, definitely with Kawhi. People try to, you know, chop it up with Kawhi or, you know, get in his head and dude don't say nothing. He, you know, he'll, he'll tell you he's too mentally strong for that. Uh, so I always see that. I always see that respect factor. Like, you know, guys really don't don't really, you know, talk that much trash to us, really. You came out of UCLA. Obviously, the talk in terms of rookies this season has been Lonzo Ball. Like, there's been... I mean, it's not, it's every single day. It's it's crazy. I can't stand it as a fan. I think it's just nuts. He's a right. UCLA guy. There's been a bunch of rookies that have emerged. Who have you played against so far that you you go, okay, this guy is good. Uh, you know, that's that's stuck out for you so far. Um, the first name that comes off got to be the kid, uh, the kid from Chicago. I'm not sure how to marketing. Marketing. Uh, you know, we played him in Chicago, and he, you know, he he did pretty well against us. Um, I liked him coming out of college. Uh, who else? I, you know, Kuzma is playing really well. You know, that, that, those are probably the rookies that stick out. Oh, Tatum. Tatum's doing mm. well, really well. And I can't believe that kid's 19 and, and, you know, so much poise and, you know, being able to play for the number one team in the East and do so well. That, that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I don't think I was able to do that at 19. So, you know, just bunch of different guys around the league. This rookie class is good. Uh, you know, got those and, and those those are all good kids. You know, they're 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 out here competing, you know, trying to come up in this league and you know that's how it should go. What what do you do not out of basketball? Like what do you do besides raise these beast dogs? What do you do that has nothing to do with basketball <laughs> that people don't know about? Uh um uh not much. Uh you know, I live in San Antonio, so uh, I love the city, but it's it's not much to do out there. Uh, honestly, I spend a lot of time with my dogs. Uh, I enjoy taking them to the park, or you know, taking them to a field and let them run around. That's dope. Uh, yeah, yeah, walking. Uh, you know, I walk them, feed them, things like that. You you got to take care of your downtime in the league. Right. Uh, we got a brutal schedule right now. These this stretch of two months, so uh, you know, just a lot of rest, just you know, kicking back, chilling. You know, it's. It's a different culture in Texas, but, uh, you know, just, you know, getting rest, hanging out with the dogs, not much. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? I like all music. Uh, I like rap, hip-hop, of course, R&B. 
uh, classic rock, uh, a little bit of everything. What hip hop are you listening to? What What are you into now? Like, what are your favorite joints? Who are some of the people that you really like? Uh, man, I like. Uh, I, I can do both. I have brothers who are uh, thirty eight and and thirty five, so I can I can go old school. Um, and I also like the new school. Uh, you know. I know you. I know you older guys don't really don't really mess with the with, with the new school rap. I'm not uh, that old, Kyle. Listen, don't get me crazy, <laughs> man. But yeah, go ahead. No, talk about it. Like I said, I have older brothers where you know I could throw the Nas, the Jay Z, the A Z, the you know the Noriega. The okay, sport, okay. The ends, the things like that. You know, I I got older brothers, so you know I'm from Jersey, so you know that's that's a part of me. Uh, you know, Fab, Davies, you right. know, new guys like that. Um, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of a, a lot of guys from back home for sure. That's that's just the culture. That's just where we came from. Absolutely, that's good to hear. <laughs> w- what is the loudest arena? Obviously, San Antonio fans are hyped uh, right. uh, around the season when when you're in tight games, uh, uh, playoff games. What what is the arena that is like the most intense uh, so far in your career? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, er- I, you know what? Hearing around the league, people get asked that question, and they say San Antonio, and I got to agree. Um, but to give you another one, uh, I would say Golden State's pretty loud. Um, OKC, I, I would say, you know, besides San Antonio, I'd say it's OKC. Uh, we played them my second year in the league in the playoffs, and shush, you could, you, you know, you couldn't hear anything. You know, your teammate would be ten feet away, and you mm. couldn't hear saying. So it, it was pretty crazy in there. But I would say. Uh, yeah, OKC and Golden State, those two places are pretty loud. Um, and, and finally, with Popovich, you know, I love him. He's so great, you know, uh, yeah. as a fan to watch him and, and to sort of, you know, he's been so outspoken, you know, uh, about so many things, social stuff and politics. W- what is uh, he like on a day-to-day basis? And what's your what's your favorite Popovich story playing underneath him? Uh that is a, a an awesome thing about Coach Pop. It's not all basketball with him. It's a uh, you know before practice starts, he'll you know he'll ask us a geography uh, geography question. Uh, you know, uh, you know he always makes sure we stay you know socially conscious. He asked if you know did you watch CNN this weekend? Do you know what's going on in this election? Did you see uh, what happened and who won uh, Alabama this weekend? You know mm. he, that that that's you know one of my favorite things about Coach Pop. He keeps us very you know, socially conscious on what's going on. Um, and and that, that wasn't me uh, coming in. I was, you know, a 21 year old knucklehead, you know, not really giving a damn about stuff like that. But, you know, just being in San Antonio and, and being around it, it's, you know, pretty interesting stuff. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, what he does. He does a good job of just, you know, keeping, a, you know, making sure we know what's going on in the world. And it's not just about basketball. It's about our family. And it's about, you know, you know, different things like that. Not all basketball. So I, I think that's what's great about Coach Pop. That's dope. All right, Kyle, listen, I'm going to let you go. I'm a fan. I wish you con- continued success. I wish you a healthy season. I wish you a healthy career. And I just, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to rock with me on the podcast. Um, like I said, I've been a fan of yours. And uh, this was just great to have you, man. 
Nah, yo, Mike, thanks for having me, man. I, I gotta say, Higher Learning is one of my favorite movies. Um, me, me and my brother and me and my sisters used to sit around and watch that <laughs> day. So, uh, so it, you know, it, it, I'm also a big fan as well. So, uh, no, nah, I just want to say thank you. Um, I know you're a New York guy, so, you know, definitely had to come up here and show some love. I seen Donovan Mitchell came up, so I'm like, damn, you know, I wonder if I can get up there. Oh, but, uh, man, of course, man. Nah, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate you having me. You're hilarious on Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> Appreciate everything, man. Thank All right, you. man. Yo, listen, keep doing your thing, man. Yes, sir. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle. Later. All right. Yo, I want to thank our special guest, Kyle Anderson of the San Antonio Spurs, who just recently dismantled G Monetti's Cleveland Cavaliers like they were playing a pickup game in the YMCA. Thank you for rocking me on the Iron Rap <laughs> Stereo podcast. What can I say? Yo, listen. You cornballs over there, your little whack show, your little whack music videos, keep coming. I got a whole lot of more. Whole mm-hmm. lot of more. You guys ain't shit. You're corny as fuck. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, a.k.a. The Champs. Word. Uh, we're going to be doing our thing. Can't stop, won't stop. Subscribe, rate, and review us. We're the best. Fuck the rest. Have no fear. The I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast is here. Miles Jordan. Take us out of here with something real funky. Hell yeah.